All right, folks, welcome to another fun-filled episode of Say Sure Up, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoop Magoo. And we have another fun-filled episode of album anniversaries. A um, couple of 30 years, 120, 115. Um, pretty much, yeah, I was going to say pretty much all in the route. You know, usually we throw like an electronic album in there, you know, one oddball release. But it, yeah, <laughs> I mean, these are all, I mean, they're definitely on different ends of the rock spectrum, which I think will become obvious the more we talk about them. Uh, but they're all pretty much squarely in the rock camp. And the first one is definitely a rock classic, especially from the 90s. And I'm not as familiar with them, so I'll let you take it away. But it is it is, is it just to get us started. It's a uh, bad motor finger by Soundgarden. <laughs> no, I don't think I have. I don't think I've listened to a full, I mean, kind of to your point, I know a number of songs on Super Unknown, which again, not super surprising. If you have a pulse and have listened to any rock radio, you know songs. So I'm not as familiar. Yeah, but this, I don't think I've listened to a full Soundgarden project and I don't know if I remembered 
I feel like maybe I've I've heard Rusty Cage before, but I, these I, there wasn't as much familiar, you know, like. Okay, maybe, yeah. So this isn't how the calendar fell, but I, um, I feel like super unknown. I might have been able to dive into it a little bit more easily just because there were so many, you know, fell on black days, black hole sun, spoon man, um, uh, bad motor finger. I kind of, I dove into, cause there have been other albums that, of course, I, whenever I say like a sweeping statement like that, or like specific statement like that, I can't think of an example. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I just, I dove into this fully, you know, blind in a way or deaf. I don't know, whatever makes sense. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed this. I, I, I will say that, um, I feel like the more time I, I spend with this, cause I do, I do now want to give this more of a shot. I want to realize my super unknown because in my head I was black hole son. Like I was just singing to myself. Um, but I think this is kind of what, um, I can compare it to why it took me a little bit to get into thrash is, um, like whenever I would listen to thrash before it really clicked for me, I was just always waiting for it to become death metal, like for the, the blast beats to, to pop in and stuff like that. So a lot of this gave me like sludge stoner vibes, but it just wasn't like, wasn't, wasn't as heavy. So I think that's what helped me back a little bit, but what really kept me in it and what really pulled it all together for me is man Chris Grinnell was so good <laughs> he was such an amazing like it just it actually it wasn't even I mean I really enjoyed his performances on this but I don't know where but um Hunger Strike came on somewhere and yeah, yeah Temple of the Dog with uh you know members of Pearl Jam uh and Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and like I think it was it was kind of around the time I don't know if I had, I had listened to Bad Motorfinger for this episode yet. I forget where I was or when it came on, but just his, you know, going hungry. I can't even. I'm not even gonna try to do it. But like, just you know, listening to and of course one of your other favorite vocalists is singing in that song too. Um, <laughs> um, but just to me, as someone with like a deep voice that I don't. Everyone says like, I remember when I was. Growing up in church, like, you should join the choir. I'm like, just because I have like a radio voice doesn't mean I can actually like, I can, I mean, I can just like 
do a bassy like atonal like dull roar but like to have someone have that much power in their voice and it just sounds i mean it's obviously not effortless but it just sounds like he can do it so you know so beautifully and so seamlessly so i think just musically i I really like what they did here um i think in my head i was just waiting for it to like get a little heavier just because that's like my mind definitely went toward like the sludge stoner direction but i mean yeah for sure Mm hmm yeah Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and again, I'm going to do that thing where I make a claim, but then can't think of a specific, specific example. But I feel like there are some bands who have albums in their discography that don't have the kind of big bombastic hits that you like the songs you go back to, like a super unknown or rather uh, uh, Bad Motor Finger, you know, for, comparing Bad Motor Finger to Super Unknown. They're like one album has all the hits, the other one, but the other one's more consistent. Yeah. Just not on the same level as like spoon mo spoon mate, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm... yeah. I mean, I guess what like the one thing that comes to mind for me is like how um, excursions on low end theory. I think it's just it's just one of the best hip hop songs ever. But as an album, I I just feel like their other stuff was I pre I just prefer it like Midnight Marauders especially. Uh, for for a tribe called Quest, that is. So I could totally see that being the case. Um, but yeah, I'm really glad I checked this out because I I don't know. I, I think the more the more time goes on, I think grunge is more. I don't want to say more complex, but there's there's more to it than it kind of became a fad. I think it, it like culturally it was it was lumped or it was kind of labeled like a response to hair metal. Like it just kind of was it was added to a cultural discussion. And I think that might have. As was Pantera, which is one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, tidbits. Yeah. Like the, the fact that like they became like a, you know, like tough, you know, gritty redneck band. That's like, used to be a fucking hair metal band, which honestly, like, it's funny how, Pantera kind of fits both. Like I think Pantera, the name works for both. Like Pantera, like Pantera with like a little like arm like arm swish for hair metal, but then like Pantera for like. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh man, that's uh. Yeah. 
I mean, it's going to come full circle. You know, the the 80s is having their moment. I think. Yeah, exactly. Hey, there you go. By the way, before we get too far away from it, because you mentioned uh, this is totally not related to anything, but you mentioned James Bond. I love how Daniel Craig has, like, been quitting James Bond for, like, years now. Like, now, apparently this movie that just came out was supposedly his final movie. But, like, I feel like the last three movies he's talked about, like, wanting to quit. And, I'm like, when I saw this was his last movie, I was like, didn't he already do that? Like, didn't didn't he already quit? <laughs> like, what? He's, like, openly talked about how he doesn't want to do it for the last, like, several movies. I don't know. Um... <laughs> mhm. Mm Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of disgustingly brutal, uh <laughs> Hey, that that that's not bad, right? <laughs> uh, we are moving on to another album that came out in 1991. Uh, sounded a little different. It is Suffocation, Effigy of the Forgotten. Um, this was this was not their first. Uh, I feel like their first EP, Human Waste, which came out in earlier in 1991, gets overlooked a little bit. But I. Definitely think it laid the groundwork in a nice way for what the band did on Effigy of the Forgotten. So for better or worse, uh, depending on your like your view of these death metal sub subgenres, uh Suffocation was really, really instrumental in influencing, you know, Deathcore, Slam, Brutal Death Metal, which definitely has some segments that metal fans and death metal fans specifically roll their eyes at. But basically they took the death metal and the extreme metal that they were really interested in at the time, you know, that was burgeoning uh, in the mid to late eighties, early nineties. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, even, even going back to like, yeah, like early death possessed bands that were, were kind of, I mean, during that period, there, there weren't the labels we have today. It was kind of a mishmash of, um, I think nowadays when you say extreme metal, I feel like that's kind of a lame tag, but it kind of makes sense at the time because it was kind of an overlap of death, thrash, and black metal, just everything kind of happening in the same way. Uh, but they were from, they're Long Island boys, and they were really into the New York hardcore scene of, you know, the 80s and whatever, and like a little bit of crossover stuff that was going on. So they kind of combined the sounds a little bit. You have some 
you know, at, at the time, technical riffing, you have some, you know, fast drumming, you know, brutal vocals, you kind of the heaviness of death metal, but then you have, you know, breakdowns, like some heavy hardcore moments that add some, not like insane contrast, but definitely like it, it, it was an early example of the, maybe not loud, quiet, but the, the dynamic of like you, you take a break to just have like this really stupid moshy riff. Like you're not just always, you know, galloping drums, blast beats and riffs, you know, it's not, not always fast. You know, you kind of take a break. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, I mean, and that, that's not me. I mean, I think, it was after hearing them say it that it, it kind of clicked for me, but that that's something they're very open about that. They really just took. Um, and then if you hear a band like despised icon, um, they, they basically took that even further where like they, they upped the, the breakdowns even like even more so because we're not talking like, if you listen to early suffocation, you're not hearing the breakdowns you hear today. Like, especially if you've spent any time listening to modern deathcore, like it's not nearly as pronounced as it is today, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, in terms of suffocation, I mean, they're, they're probably my favorite death metal bands. Uh, I mean, they probably compete a little bit with Morbid Angel, but I just albums like Effigy, The Forgotten, uh, Breeding the Spawn, uh, I think Blood Oath later in their career is probably, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I got, I got them mixed up because actually I think Breeding the Spawn is not that great. Uh, but Pierce from Within, Breeding the Spawn is one of the few cases where I think production actually matters. Like it's, if you listen to the albums back to back, which I've done before, the, it's like they just forgot to put the bass in. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. It was produced by Paul Baggin and the band, and maybe that's why the band, I don't think the band has produced their music anymore, which by that might be why. Because if you listen to the albums back, like literally just have it in my, uh, I don't know why they didn't work with Scott Burns for um, Breeding the Spawn. But yeah, I mean, I think that they really refined this specific sound on Pierce from Within. Their later albums are, are good too, up until the last couple are just kind of okay. Um, but Effigy really was, oh yeah, just, you know, calling a spade a spade. Um, this, this was, a, yeah. Um, but thankfully there, you know, the first few, first couple records or, or two of the three, um, they really, they really leaned into that sound. They wrote some, some, some tracks that have kind of become staples for their discography as well. Obviously like the, the title track, I love infecting the crypts. That's actually on their debut AP human waste. There's a different version of that, which I think the production on that sounds really good. Um, Jesus wept is a fan favorite. Uh, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of great riffs, great breakdowns. It, it again, by today's standards, there's a lot of bands that are heavier. There's a lot of bands that are faster. There's a lot of bands that are more technical. But, you know, the influence this had on the evolution of a variety of death metal subgenres really can't be overstated. Um, but I'm curious to hear, hear, yeah, hear what you think.
Yes. <laughs> yeah I, I mean i mean if i'm being honest pierce from within is i think is the better album like i, I think effigy and pierce from within are their two best by far and then from there some of their um i think yeah souls to the i'd probably go souls and i are blood oath and then they're self-titled and then you kind of Kind of so you know or zipper the rest however you you put them but I think I would definitely recommend Pierce from Within for you just because there's 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 some actual goddamn like memorable like dynamic songwriting which to your point for death metal around this time I think the goal was just make something brutal as possible it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like let's let's write like a you know. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, but like to, to me, Effigy like may not be as, as eclectic or you know diverse as, as some of their later records, but it's it's where 
it, it's super influential. It's and I think that it, it's. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're listening, if, if you think of like top five, I mean, 91 in particular was a crazy good year for death metal. I mean, so many great albums came out in 91. Um, uh, of course, I don't have a list ready as I say that, but I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure, um, Covenant came out in 91. I mean, after you've forgotten, uh, God, I have to quickly, I mean, I don't know if I can do this quickly enough, but, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Uh, Death, Human, Dismember, Like an Ever-Flowing Stream, Atheist, Unquestionable Presence, Autopsy, Mental Funeral, Carcass, Necroticism, Entomb, Clandestine, Suffocation, Effigy the Forgotten, yeah, yeah, Morbid Angel, Lesser of the Sick, Emulation, Don, I mean, like, Jesus, like, it was a crazy good year for death metal. Um, and this was, if you, if you're doing the top five for that year, arguably a top five in terms of influence on the genre, I think suffocation in general are, um, uh, I think just because of the genres they influenced compared to like some of the other big death metal bands that influenced kind of the cavern core, like old school death metal revival that came after, I think they get maybe a little bit more. Of a, of a nod when suffocation really, really deserves it. Um, they're just, just a really, I mean, at, at least in terms of reach, like the, the genre, genres of death metal they influence are arguably more popular today, but, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, plus one for John Peel. That's uh Yes, and uh, I can't think of a good segue, but I was going to say there's no need, no need. Yeah, we'll argue over whether or not it was a good segue because we're going to be talking about Fugazi, the argument, and this was, I think, sometimes I wonder if it's because it was a swan song, because I don't. I know we've talked before about in terms of ranking Fugazi's discography. I mean, that, that's really difficult for me because I feel like they did such a great job of going from obviously, you know, like rising from the ashes of minor threat and, you know, a little bit of the more, um, I, I mean, I think out of step, the last minor threat, or actually the only like minor threat full length 
did a little bit hint toward you know post hardcore it was a little bit you know it was it was definitely a little bit more adventurous than their hardcore punk roots but i think what they did starting with repeater and or i guess before that with um you know yeah 13 songs yeah exactly like like what they and then from there just like the the way that they tweaked their sound with every like they're one of the best bands of doing what they do best but keeping it interesting you know tweaking things making making adjustments like they're just such a so the argument definitely is one of the best albums in their discography but i mean that's again they have a lot of you could put it you know the kill taker red medicine repeater like they have a number of candidates up there um Yeah, but I mean, Yeah. So, I mean, the way that the album progresses, you know, progresses, you could say it's it, maybe it's a little bit more, you know, pensive. It's maybe a little bit more. I mean, I, I hate saying the word mature, so I'm going to try to quickly think of another word on the fly. But yeah. Yeah, I was going to say like that, I think really sets the tone and, and there's, you know, maybe a little bit you know, more post-punk versus post-hardcore, maybe a little bit of like indie rock of their early 2000s going on. Like it definitely was a bit more, you know, had a little bit of a broader palette than before. But I think like my, I don't say complex relationship with this record, but I think the benefit of kind of doing my own listening, you know, growing up over time, developing my own taste is I think what really turned me on to Fugazi. I remember when I first listened to Repeater, I just did, I was not ready. Like I just did, it was not, not the right time for me to listen to that kind of music uh back when i was you know then a few years later uh you know kind of subscribed to decibel like looked at their top albums of the 2000s um and the argument was listed which seemed weird because it's not like a metal record at all i mean it's, it's yeah jupiter was their number two so like they did they definitely t tweaked with i mean like their favorite heavy release. So they kind of tweaked with that, but it, it caught my attention just because I was like, wait a second, like, you know, why is this included on a metal list? And that album, like listening to it after that, like kind of getting back into Fugazi, uh, that was the right time. And that album really clicked with me, but listening to the rest of their discography since then, I don't know. I think I, I wonder if it's because it's a swan song that so many like I think a lot of people regard this as one of their best, if not their best. And I think it's definitely very good. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it just it's interesting to me to think about that, like, what you know, why people gravitate to different releases, like why certain releases are, you know, kind of stand the test of time for lack of. I mean, it's not like the rest of their albums have been pushed aside, but I feel like 
this is, I mean, I'm just double checking rate music, but I think this is the high, yeah, it's the highest rated album in their discography. It's, it doesn't have as many ratings as Repeater, and Repeater's right behind in the rating scale. But yeah, I mean, just looking at it again, I mean, you know, between the argument, Repeater, Red Medicine, and the Kill Taker, I mean, even End Hits and Steady Die to Nothing, even like the instrument soundtrack. I remember when I said I had all their albums, and you said, actually, you're missing the instrument soundtrack. I went and bought it, and like, even that's really good. Like, even that has some really cool songs on it. Yeah. Mm hmm. I could see that. I'm going to... Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I'll have to... You know, this is why I like, you know, talking about music with, with kind of like-minded people, is I'd like to re-listen to it with that thought in mind and see... You know how it how it vibes with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I haven't, but I've heard a lot of, you know, they've definitely were known for their live shows.
back back when I mean I feel like recently um, April Fools has kind of become less by the by the way the, 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 this will make sense sorry like I feel like it's become less of a thing like people don't like there was a period of time where like every brand tried to like do a convincing um, my my favorite one was uh, one of the one of the lead because I think they have a few different vocalists but one of the lead guitarists of Enslaved uh said how he was starring in a live action family guy movie and he was going to play peter griffin like that that i thought it was really funny like it was low stakes it was funny like stuff like that but there was that was also fun but like that one again like it was kind of i don't know i, I that would have sounded really cool so i was a little disappointed um because i remember at the time i was like that actually would be really interesting like i feel like a good april fool's joke is like it's funny but it's not like if it's not true, you're like, oh, OK, whatever. But there was one blog that did a I forget who it was. They did a like relatively convincing looking post about how Fugazi was coming back. And I think they had fake quotes and everything. And there was nothing in it that gave it away. It was false. And people got really excited. And that made me really sad because I don't think that there's ever been. I don't think there's ever been any indication that they're really interested in getting back because, you know, Ian McKay is kind of doing uh, his own thing. Um I think the rhythm section is in the Mesthetics, and that's a pretty cool like jazz punk band that's really good. But I don't think I, I just I I can't really see them revisiting this. I mean I, I mean you know never say never, but I just haven't I haven't seen any energy, and I feel like I feel like they're kind of they're doing their own thing now, so it's not like they don't have a creative out, out you know output. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, not that I don't have confidence that, you know, if they put something out, it wouldn't be good or anything like that, but I feel like they, I feel like they probably, I think it was uh, the Evens, and then there was another project. I don't remember the name, which probably isn't great. Yes, Corky. Yeah, Corky, which I thought was good, but I think that they they can not that bands haven't reunited. Like it's not like every band that's reunited has put out like a disappointing record. Like certainly there have been some, you know, like Gorguts. Uh, I think it stands out immediately in my mind. Like there have been bands who have kind of come back after a long hiatus, either official or unofficial, and made something really good. But I feel like the guys in Fugazi might, they might be honest with themselves and say like we're not totally confident that we would put Sling out to like the level of what fans might expect. So we have our, you know, we have our, we have our other creative outlets. We have different bands. We're making music. You know, I think that. I don't know. Personally, I would I would love to see like if if they reunited to 
like do a tour i would love like that would be my favorite yeah we'd have we'd have to jump on that but like that that would be the iteration of them returning that i would i would like I mean, he's, yeah, he's huge both, you know, for, I mean, obviously the whole straight edge movement, you know, is, is its own thing, but then, you know, like his, his influence on hardcore punk, post hardcore, like all the offshoots. So like, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, for, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely, I mean, they were ahead of their time, you know, very much DIY, very much about all age, all ages shows, uh, you know, like very affordable shows. Yeah, they were, they were huge. I am, uh, I, I don't think I have any famous last words, so let's move on to <laughs> yeah, so it is, uh, this is one album that I still, I, you know what, it, it does, in some ways it makes sense that you, you like it, but in other ways I'm still like, wow, yeah, I'm like, in other sense, I'm like, really? Like this, I'm so, I was so surprised when you, I think at one point it was your album of the week and I was like, really? Uh, but yeah, this is, 
this is a huge album for me in high school a lot of people in high school i imagine around my age uh and it is the black parade by my chemical romance uh no way oh that's interesting oh that's cool i did not know that Three cheers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because um, Black Parade was a pretty notable... I don't want to say it was a notable shift. It was a notable progression that it added new elements to their sound, but it kind of made sense. Uh, so I brought you my bullets. You brought me your love, which is by God, one of the most emo album titles I've ever heard. Uh, it was there again, it was their, you know, emo, screamo, post hardcore, like pretty, uh, pretty on point for what you'd expect for that time. Yeah. And it just, it, it was, uh, I mean, it's definitely, I can't, Say I've listened to it a ton, but it was very raw, very much what we'd expect from emo in the early 2000s. It's not, it's, I, it's not, I mean, it's not bad, but it's, it's definitely raw. Uh, they very much refined it and started to, you know, make a name for themselves with three cheers for Sweet Revenge. I mean, you had some, it was more refined, definitely more, it still had the kind of like the emo angst and a little bit of the like post hardcore ideas, but they definitely, up the the pop elements and you would like yeah songs like yeah into yeah. like yeah then obviously that's helena and then you know i'm not okay i promise you know the ghost of you like they definitely definitely expanded their sound in that regard but black parade was that it was basically their it was like their queen album. Like they tried to be like a, like a more theatrical, a more like, you know, rough. Yeah. And it, it, it's just, dead. Or I, I mean, I mean the, the end and then dead. Mm-hmm. But it, it that was and I think the crossover appeal it, it um it really speaks to I mean there's some genuinely great songwriting in this. Again, like there's a lot of uh there's a lot of songs and lyrics on this that are very much 
of the moment, you know, mid 2000s emo. But I mean, Rolling Stone included this in the revised, you know, top out the 500 greatest albums of all time. I think it's received some like Fantano did a classic review on it, which is I was I was surprised to see that. But also, again, it kind of makes sense because, again, the, the I mean, just Welcome to the Black Parade is, is again, it's written like a like not like a a classic rock song, but like a classic pause rock song. Like it just, it's, it's written in such a way that it's, it's like so well thought out. Like it's so it like transcends genre. It's just so well written. I feel like it had a lot of. Yeah, it's. Because it it's really it's 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 almost like multiple songs in the same like just like yeah it's like it's it, it's yeah I it it feels very Bohemian Rhapsody like that that's kind of what feels to me like Bohemian Rhapsody like it's not. It's not as out there. Like it's definitely more defined. It's not like it doesn't have like the weird excursions, but it definitely it has multiple parts that make. Let's do your point. Multiple parts that are engaging, and like I feel like the rest of the song could have. I mean, it doesn't, but I feel like the rest of the song could have sucked. But like that intro to the Black Parade, it's just like that. That is just amazing. Yeah, exactly. Um, honestly, like the uh, the guitar solo, like. It clicked for me. I feel like Teenagers is their attempt at making an ACDC song. Like a guitar solo is super Angus Young. Um, like it's, it's their version of, like it just, it, it gave me super ACDC vibes. I totally forgot, or I forget and remind myself every time I listen to the album. Uh, the guest vocals on Mama are done by Liza Minnelli, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't think there are any like bad songs in this at all. It, and it, I feel like "Famous Last Words" is a close second to like just the anthemic nature. Uh, and also, I I just "Famous Last Words" will always be memorable to me because of if there was ever an award for. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I don't want to put it, but like being impressed by like the acting in a music video and then finding out, oh wait, that was actually real. Like, I don't know if you know this, but the music video for Famous Last Words was a fucking disaster. Um, they were, so like, they're basically, they're playing in like a field and there's pyrotechnics and fire. Uh, the drummer was really severely burned and ended up developing gangrene. Like he just played through it. Uh, one of the, I think either the bassist or the guitarist, uh, tackled Gerard Way while like, and at some point, and he like really badly tore muscles in his leg. And so when he's, he's on the ground, like writhing at the, which is a very triumphant end of the song. He's like genuinely in pain, but like it's, they, they, I feel like the camera were probably like, wow, this is perfect. Great job, Gerard. Meanwhile, he's on the ground, like fucking like, <laughs> yeah, like an excruciating pain. Like when you rewatch the video under that knowledge, like I guess that they just did not do a good job controlling the fire. Um, but I think that, I think that's important. Like the, the, the music videos for this are are really telling for the, the direction they went music like just the music video for the black parade like the the you know the, the outfits they wore and whatnot like i think it, it's you know sometimes music videos are just kind of whatever but i think it really is yeah yeah mm-hmm Hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. I feel you. I mean, I think that this is, uh, again, I think this is just a testament to good songwriting that even though like it, yeah, <laughs> plot twist. yeah wow that that is an amazing visual i'm really glad that you accidentally brought to my attention um but
Yeah. And I, I mean, this is a, 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 this comparison only makes sense in terms of like reception, but in some ways it reminds me of a band like Primus where you're just like, how did this band, like, I, it still boggles my mind that Primus were as popular as they were. Like, they're such a, they're like one of the weirdest bands to be that popular, which is like, like, kind of the same way where like, the Black Parade, even just that one song, had such broad appeal. Like back when people would buy single songs, like for their iPods, I feel like that song probably got so much circula circulation. And people were like, "Hey, like they're weird, like eyeliner emo kids. Why would I listen to them?" But I think just like it's a testament to how how yeah, they, they, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's just it, it's a testament. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just, again, it's just a testament to people. People do, even people who aren't that into music, they recognize when something sounds good. And I think that they hit a, uh, unfortunately, I don't really think that they, uh, I don't remember their next album either. A, I don't really remember liking it that much. And B, I don't really think that it was that well received. I think just because they went, they went like too, like a little bit too far. Yeah, just because I think I think this is like a broader when bands try something and they they find a way to like incorporate or like filter their current sound through a like I feel like they they filtered their like emo roots through this kind of queen like theatrical rock lens and it worked really well because they were still I mean they're still an emo band like at their heart at their core but i think when they tried to go even beyond and say okay now we're just like a rock band uh i don't remember the album being bad i actually like to listen to it because i haven't listened to it since i feel like my my tastes have kind of cemented where they are now but i don't remember liking it very much and i think the general kind of lukewarm at best reception um and and, and then you know it, they moved on to you know gerard way has his his uh is comic book series, which I started reading that and really liked it. Um, it's uh, the the Umbrella Academy. It's actually really, it's kind of like a it's it's very X Men, um, you know, very it's very you know like extraordinary kids, and they they come together after years apart. You know, they have a tragedy like the guy who raised them, and then they have to save the world. Like the first two installments, I remember actually really good. And then I just, you know, I lost track of it because like, I, I caught up. Like, there were only two installments available, and then I just haven't read it since. But I'd like to read it. Unfortunately, I, I, <laughs> they made a Netflix series, and I was like, Lauren, like, we got to watch this. I love the comic. And the first few episodes were, like, really not, like, good. Or, like, I didn't think they were that great, and Lauren didn't like it at all, so we didn't end up watching it. But, um there's one okay i don't i don't want to like no no like like just real quick like there's like there were back-to-back -back ups this is just after like 
more was like we had a, like a little argument about hey you know i don't really want this isn't really canon this isn't important like no no, no we, we don't I don't want to miss anything there was one episode where he gets it like he accidentally adopts a fucking like wolf monkey like koala thing on his back and then he ends up like trying to return it to the wild and gets in a fight with the mom that he actually you know with. and then the next one they have to like sit in as the you know the official mourner for a guy at his his dad's funeral because if he laughs he loses out in the inheritance and then everyone else at the funeral knows this and they're trying to make him laugh naruto laugh so like one of them splits his pants and he's wearing a thong one guy like has his like big belly painted and he's like talking with it and the entire episode i wasn't even watching i was just staring at lauren and being like really so this is going to keep us from ship it in yeah, this is gonna keep us from watching shipping and this fucking this fucking bullshit. Um, anyway, spe- yeah. Speaking of fucking bu- fucking bullshit, I'm excited to talk about my album of the week. But do you want to go first? No, it's an album that I feel, I feel weird that I liked because I totally understand why people. No, that's fair. Uh, I just, I totally get why people don't like them. Uh, it's, so I'll just say it, the, the, the band is called uh, Sleep Token. And it's one of those, and this is, this has made me think a lot about, you know, like kind of the relationship between like the band versus the music and like the way that it's received. Um, and because they, so again, like, is it so like, is the way that their fan, you know, fans react to their music. Is that like what you dislike? Is it the fact that music's actually bad? Is it the way the band's presenting? Uh, because they, they're a UK, like, metalcore band, alternative metal band that 
they you know they have the lead singer wears like a like a hood he wears a like a mask it's you know big uh big like almost like slipknot vibes in that sense uh but oh yeah i can kind of see that yeah i don't know if you're looking up the specific mask but i could totally see that uh but i think i think that uh i think that they call their like shows like sermons or whatever and like they you know their fans are really like into it as like a like a religious experience or whatever so i stay away from them for a long time for a long time just because people talked about like the way they present themselves I'm like well that sounds awful and i don't know if i want to listen to them but i was curious just because i was looking for like i don't know i've been getting more into like alternative metal like i just kind of like the groove i think it's partially just because of how much i've been listening to you know, slipped on lately. I, I like the, those kind of like jump the fuck up riffs and whatnot. Um, and I really liked their new album. Like I genuinely really enjoyed it. It's called uh, This Place Will Become Your Tomb. It actually just came out at the end of September. Um, it kind of sounds like, do you remember me talking about a band called Lower Than Atlantis? Yeah. So it kind of sounds like them combined with Deftones, but filtered through like a contemporary, like progressive metalcore lens. And like, it really works. I think that the lead singer has like that prototype or that typical, like very obviously British powerful, like, you know, arena metal, like contemporary arena metal. Like he's a, he's a really good singer, like a lot of husk, a lot of power there. Um, I like the fact that it's predominantly like, you know, it's these big anthemic metalcore riffs and, you know, all that stuff, but it's predominantly singing over the top of it. And I, I, I kind of like that. I mean, there's some screaming here and there, but I think it's interesting. Usually you hear like the typical, you know, screaming during the verses, singing during the chorus. And I like that the singing kind of drives everything here. But the one song that really made it click for me, I mean, I like everything going on here, but it's called Fall for Me. And it's like Metalcore Bon Iver. Like it's, it's, it's like the typical, you know, like the really strong like vocal effects underneath. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say it's really like, but it's really good and it's like genuinely, it's, it was really, really good. And I just felt like it opened up the rest of the album for me. Like I, I like when you have those one, like this one song that makes it all click for you. Honestly, like we talked about that with uh, Horsey. Like to me, I was liking the album and then Lagoon just kind of really won me over. And it kind of, you know, it, I, it made me, you know, want to dive deeper into the record overall. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah, please do. Please do. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I totally get now. I'm almost hesitant to admit to like anyone in the blog group that I really like this record just because I totally I totally get like the appearance like I would never tell, I never told anyone back in the day I liked Funny and the Bear. Um, cause honestly, the truth was I liked, 
Yeah, but like I feel like we could be honest with each other. Um, I liked it. I didn't even like their album. I liked like a few of their songs, but um, I also didn't really get it because I feel like you have to own it. Like the fact that they were just dressed like dudes, and then one of them had a bad bunny mask on, one of them had a bad bear mask on. It was like, what do you like? At least this guy in Sleep, like he kind of he paints his face. He has like the robes and whatnot. And obviously, like a band like Slipknot is like all out with wearing the. But I feel like if you're gonna do costumes and masks, you kind of gotta do it. Like if you just randomly throw on like a hat, and it wasn't, it didn't even cover their. Oh yeah, they're they were all over the place with their their getup. It was it was very yeah, and then I mean I think there are a lot of reasons why. I forgot they were a band. Wow, thanks for reminding me. They they were big. I know I Well, I mean it's not like I'm not gonna go listen to them now. I mean like I never even even like back when that's how like their music had the highest likelihood to appeal to me, I didn't like it. So I would be shocked if I listened to it now and it you know, it worked. So Don't blame you at all. Yeah, they were they were definitely trying to be Limp Biscuit, except in two in the two thousands or the twenty tens. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening as always. Bye.